Tet Manor. Hello, welcome to Tet Manor podcast. We are we are back again, episode twenty six. That's not significant for anyone, really, is it? It's James, uh, Connor, and John today. Connor, how's it going? Since the last time you were on, you have graduated. You are now a master of things. What are you a master of? I am a master of culture, society, and globalization, which Ooh. is basically sociology. So I am a master. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm generally pretty culturally ignorant. Does it, could you be like a holiday rep? going forward and take me around the world and teach me things no not really i can okay. i can i can just send you some some articles you can read that'll that'll sort you out okay yeah is that, that all right that might work yeah that might yeah. work sweet good well congratulations on that i'm very proud of you thanks mate top stuff thank you mate Another person I'm proud of, John, you are now our resident national radio broadcaster uh, the paparazzi knocking at the door. It's quiet at the moment, but then it is dark as we're recording this in the evening, so they could be loitering in the hedges. Yeah, mm. it was a good fun stint on a Love Sport radio this morning. They got in touch with us, which was nice, with a Martin Allen, Mad Dog fame, who was, um, it was good fun. Like We talked about reaction to the match, what the rest of our season looks like. And then he asked me about Sykes, and he was, I told him about him, and I said, oh, he's, you know, he's come over recently from Northern Ireland, really kicking on. This has been a great, great game for him. And he said, what do you mean he's just uh, he's just come over? Like He didn't just arrive on a bus, did he? And I was like, <laughs> uh, well, you know, we signed him from a from an Northern Ireland club, like Glen, I think it said Glen, Glenoven or Glen Torren or something at the time. Yeah, it's, it was like, it's Glenoven, yeah. Yeah, Glenoven. I was like, uh, okay. Um, we carried on, and it was all all good fun. And then, yeah, and then we got a tip about um, going on to Radio Oxford uh, this morning and again had a good chat with um, the Breakfast Show on that. And um, yeah, but I think... Uh, I think they're only here for because it's Newcastle, unfortunately. Oh, that's well, a Radio Oxford, of course, but it's um, only here for no. UK. What was the sta- station called? Love Sport or something? Love Sport Radio. It's like a, a a different version of Talk Sport, and they in their pro- without without Alan Brazil. Without Alan Brazil, well, they, sounds great. Say, yeah, <laughs> it can't be any worse than Talk Sport, surely. <laughs> well, their promos because I was obviously on a bit before the interview started because they sort of dialed you in a bit before. And uh, their promos were literally like, this is the station for disinfected, disinfected, disaffected. Um, talk well, works both ways, isn't disinfected. it? <laughs> disinfected or disaffected talk sport fans. Um, you know, don't like Alan Brazil, we're the place for you. And it was like, you know, it's like saying, wow. well, Tesco's is rubbish if you're Sainsbury's. It was, it was very brutal, <laughs> but made me chuckle. And um, no, they were, they were good fun. It was a good laugh. Nice. Good stuff. Right. We've got a busy pod today. We're going to try and get it in under an hour, but we'll obviously, we've obviously got a new section as usual, lots of transfer activity to talk through. Uh, we'll review Blackpool. We'll talk about what went on in League League One. Uh, we'll obviously review Newcastle, the replay. We'll preview Peterborough. It's coming up on Saturday and we're going to sack off the quiz today. And if we've got time, we're going to talk about the fixtures that are coming up in quite a hectic month for Oxford United. So hopefully we get there. Right, on to the news. Right, Trevor McDonald. Taking you 26 weeks to come up with that, but it's uh, <laughs> it's well worth it. Um, <laughs> I think we're going. We're going straight to the transfer centre. There's there's no other news really happened beyond KR's 
meeting with royalty which happened this afternoon but i think we'll we'll park that for the minute and just get straight to a chat about fossu and baptiste obviously both joined brentford right at the end of the transfer window for well three million was talked about kr suggested it was an, a lot more i think Tarek fossu reported release clause that, that did that deal so we had no choice i'm not sure there's too much about debating whether we should or shouldn't with that one because we didn't have a choice I suppose did, it, that, did that actually come out anywhere? Because I kept on trying to find an official source about his release clause, but it never actually seemed to get confirmed by anyone. But I'm assuming it's true, and I'm assuming 750k, which was what was rumoured, is accurate. But I never saw it actually confirmed. I've seen it in yeah multiple, a few places, but again, it was probably a mixture of rumour and um, agent talk. But yeah. I mean, the fact that there was no. Um, pushback in any way it became all about baptiste really and um i think jim white was the was the main one who, who particularly talked about the release clause um so i think there must it felt like it was a not up for not up for pushback and we didn't negotiate as part of that so it felt to be all about baptiste really i mean where where are you guys at? i mean two and a half million let's say roughly or potentially more for baptiste Connor, where do you, where do you, where was, how was your reaction? It was a bit of a, well, it was a bolt out of the blue, really, and it sort of divided every opinion, which we'll talk about in a bit more. Yeah, um, I think my initial reaction to it was I was quite disappointed in terms of um, Baptiste leaving in the first place, and and also with the fee involved. Although um, it's one of those where, you know, us as football fans, we probably stick rather false valuations on players because. Let's be brutally honest, most of us have no idea how valuations actually work. Uh, and I myself included as well. I'm not, you know, not just saying that for, for other fans. Um I think Brentford, um, I'm not convinced is ultimately the best move for someone like Shandon. I think he could have potentially gone to a um I don't know, to a, to another club well, I say slightly higher in the championship. Obviously they Brentford are doing well, but um be interesting to see how either of them actually uh, play for Brentford in terms of going forward this season because they have a very strong squad as it is. Um, I think it's yeah. a bad and move for Fosu. I um, think particularly Fosu, yeah. yeah. Because if you look at their squad, they've already got a number of players who I, I, don't, I can't comment on whether some of them will move on and it's sort of a forward planning. But I think I don't think it's the best move for him in terms of getting game time. Baptiste, I could argue either way because Brentford do have a good reputation of of bringing through players and developing them and, you know, buying, finding these gems, getting them in a bit cheaper, you know, the whole money ball system that they've got going and then mm. taking it from there. So I can, I can believe that, but the championship to premiership move probably needs to happen quite quickly for him. Um, yeah. So yeah. Go on, James. I, also, I also think, sorry, sorry, James. I also think that um, the Baptiste deal in terms of money wise, I imagine there's going to be some clauses involved in, in that. Um, that will benefit us in the future. I can't imagine that letting him go for two point whatever million um, wasn't backed up with some sort of um, additional clauses going forward based on his appearances or future transfers. I imagine there's something in there um, that will hopefully serve us well in the future. Yeah, for sure. I, I think similar to what you guys have said, the Fosu one is the one that struck me the, the fella obviously had a fantastic start to the season, but hadn't. I think he, apart from his goal away at Gillingham, he'd, that was his first goal in like 10 games or something along those lines. He was really 
either out of form, needed a rest. He couldn't quite work out what it was, but his body language wasn't quite on it, as we pointed out at various games that we've been to and then subsequently on various pods. I hope that the Baptist, that KR kept saying that it's more than three million for the two of them. Mm. It'd be interesting to know how much more. But the thing I found the most interesting is that it seemed to divide our fan base right down the middle in terms of like views on Twitter and such. Like you had people on one side saying, "Look, if you flip the transfer window on its head, and you know we've got Holland, Brown, Ken- Kelly, Fawn, and Atkinson all coming in, be it that Atkinson's gone out on loan, but." you know we've we've done some really shrewd business you could argue and you've already got replacements there for the guys that are going out and um yeah it was just a really interesting reaction from the fans i think especially knowing about shandon's injury history and knowing how lot you know the periods of time he's been out out for and knowing how he didn't start the season he missed the first however many games yeah well, um, if, well if i yeah. if i look at some of the cuz we put out a question on our twitter feed about what people thought about it. And you're right, it is absolutely mixed. So you've got a number of people, South South Ox, um, uh, Nick Bates, Nick Burks, talking about how actually we need a right back and a striker as well. We're a selling... A lot of people have made this point about we are a selling club. Um, and making the point that... So Nick makes the point here that if we miss the playoffs, there might be some sort of backlash against these sales. People rightly talk about Brown and Holland have come in. Um, but I think there's there's another one here, James Barson, talking about, you know, it's good business. Um, there's a reason why we brought in Holland and Brown and Kelly um, when the chance, in case something like this happened. So I think it, it really did seem to go down the middle. Um, picking up on something you mentioned earlier about Fosu and his general performance, and there was quite a lot of comments in the feedback from fans about how they're, they're erratic and actually it's not that. You know, in the broad grand scheme, things it's, it's a bit of a deal. I find that take some pick up something on that in that they are young players and they're dribbling, creative, high risk type players, and they will be erratic. I think Fossey's been knackered for a while and having to play because we had no other pace option. If for hmm. some reason we'd had Holland or Brown slightly earlier, I think he'd have come out of the team and come back into it and and been fine. But this point around. That many people made is that this is our model and it's it's the point i made on radio interviews um this morning that it's it's a model we, we, that served as well for the next couple of years you, know, you look at the the lundstroms the um those sort of players that we've we've moved uh, gavin white's another one we've moved on in recent time this is where we are at, at the moment and in terms of short term getting promoted I don't think I think Fossu's possibly has more of an impact on that. I think Baptiste will be Baptiste will be a phenomenal player, I'm sure, in three or four years. This season, I think there's times where we'll need him in games where we need him to break past the line and do what he did against Lincoln. But other times yeah. I think other players will be able like Kelly and Thorne will be able to do as good a job. So I think the point around the model and this is how things this is the reality we're in, and this is the pitch we've we give to players. Mark Sykes talked about it specifically that he was totally he was part of his cell. That if he did well, we wouldn't stand in his way. So we can't have the best of both worlds in in that model. I think. I dread to think what Connor will do if Sykes ends up leaving. I, I, as soon as I, I saw him do that little roulette and that oh went viral, God. I thought, don't, oh no, he's he's off. <laughs> when 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 he did that, I was wow. Well, I just I oh, don't I, just, don't I, say I lost it. my I head. I, lo- I lost my head when he did that. I was like, go on, Sykesy lad. Like, 
I do have, everyone knows I have a soft spot for Sykes. I mean, it's, no. it's clearly nothing to do with the fact he's born in Belfast and I live in Belfast and he plays for the team I support. There's nothing <laughs> to do with that at all. But uh, just back on back on the Fosu and Baptiste thing, if, if we'd have had the option of Dickey and Brannigan, yeah. which is, they're the people we thought were probably going to be heading off, or Fosu and Baptiste, I think I know which one most fans will have selected yeah. out, of, out of the pairings there, so... Yeah, we did, a, def- we did a poll on would you rather have Baptiste or Fosu to stay and Baptiste was the one that yeah. everyone went for. But I think it would have been a, a slam dunk on, on Dickie and Brannigan and it was very quiet on both of them as far as we're aware. Um, maybe Brannigan's injury came at the right time. And I think you made a point in previous pods, James, that centre-backs don't tend to go in the in the January window. Um, KR's in- reaction was... And Zaki's reaction to it all was quite quite interesting. I thought um, Zaki put before Blackpool was quite frustrated in his tone and seemed to take a bit of umbrage as how the fans had reacted to it. Keep referencing back to the financial position, which I suppose he only knows too well. And again, reference this this model. Jerome had a bit of a um, you know, if we're targeting the championship, shouldn't we be keeping hold of these players? Type of type of push, but. I think it and KR again was was a bit sort of uppity earlier in the day, and then when he came onto the fans forum, which I thought was a really good touch from him, because yeah. your man Mister Mac James would have been eaten alive with everyone going, look, we don't care about what the club's doing for climate change and um, just the stadium, <laughs> Pla- plastic, a, plastic plastic bag plastic, policy, yeah, like that he would have been eaten alive when there's thirty six messages asking what then Earth's happening about um that, so that was a was a good move as well yeah KR was a bit sulky earlier in the day and I think it was Nathan or someone said you know any more incomings and he said there's no point in asking me and I was just like oh god come on Carl but then yeah that interview on um the five minute fan forum he was he was really good and it was a solid he, he went back to emphasizing all the points along with Mr Mac about the model that we've got in place and fans need to be relatively realistic and he, he was honest about saying look we wanted to bring in a striker i did think it was really interesting how public he went about the will grig thing yeah um, but it is i do think the whole right back slash another striker not coming in thing is is a bit of a problem but since then you know we've seen i don't want to jump too much further forward but you've seen Aji come on and have a couple of good performances gillingham and then newcastle obviously at home and then you've also got sam long who's and we're going to touch on this a few times in the pod i expect he's kind of adopted the stance of Chris Cadden in recent weeks. So he's, he's really making that role his own and um, we'll get on to that. So yes, we're lacking cover, but still fantastic for those boys. It was brought up quite a bit in the reaction and I I still think it, it might bite us. I mean, you're basically saying to Ruffles, you're going to pay, you're going to play 50, 60, 60 games yeah. this, this season. Um, yeah. Taylor can get injured as we know, I mean, we're not we're not anti Jamie Mackey on this pod whatsoever, but I'm sure it will come up again about Mackey later on. And the fact that we had didn't manage to stick make any of these right backs that we'd loaned up, loaned it lined up stuck stick, can't speak. Um, <laughs> that there is something there that could potentially come back to us. And I think if we put our brutal we're football manager hats on, the t- if we want to get promoted. Do we need that extra striker and then two fullbacks that are chomping at Ruffles and Long's feet? And that's probably the, the thing. But I can understand it coming. I, Baptiste and Fosse coming so late in the window will have rattled the whole process. Yeah. I do think, though, that 
um, given what you just said, particularly in, in regards to the strikers. I do think this highlights actually how good of a signing Marcus Brown is because Marcus Brown is quite versatile and he can play down the middle. And I do think we'll see him down the middle quite a lot, actually, in the coming 16 or 17 games left that we have this season. Um, I think we'll probably be seeing more of Sykes and or Henry playing out wide uh, with Holland on the other side if Taylor um, suffers any injury setbacks because I'm getting the impression now that perhaps even KR's probably going to end up realising that Jamie Mackey is not the one who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net and actually, you know, we saw it against um, Blackpool obviously at the weekend where um, Brown played down the middle and had a great game which we'll touch upon in a moment. So I do think Marcus Brown was a good signing because he's versatile. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that point about Brown and Blackpool is is massive and I think I absolutely agree and I, I was really pleased to see him start there it's Blackpool but yeah, I, think that, I think I'm building to a natural segue into <laughs> ending the news and moving to, to Blackpool so there's nothing else major this, this week so that's should we do Blackpool? Let's do it I was going to have a whole section on Marcus Brown playing down the middle but I'm going to sack that off now <laughs> Anyway, a crowd of 7,500 or so. Blackpool actually brought a few, which was decent. It's a long way. Um, they came on into this game. What are they? The Tangerines, the Oranges or whatever they're called. Anyway, they weren't on a good run of form coming into the game. They hadn't won in their last seven with five losses and two draws coming into that. So that's the type of form that always terrifies us as Oxford fans. And we're, as we know, great at kind of ending those runs for teams. Um as John kind of previewed last week, they were extremely busy in the January kind of transfer window. Ten signings in total, seven permanent and three loans. Gary Medine obviously came in from Cardiff. Cost Cardiff six million, as we touched on last week, which is just nuts. Um, as, as we'll find out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Moore came in on loan from Bristol City on deadline day. Kieran Dewsbury Hall came in from Leicester. It's a great name, that, and it does sound like a national trust house. Every time I heard someone, <laughs> every time I heard it come up in the commentary, I was like, it just sounds wrong. Dewsbury you, Hall. You sounded like a Strictly Come Dancing like commentator <laughs> then, the way you said it the first time. Dewsbury Hall. Oh. But Dewsbury is a suburb of Leeds, which is obviously close to myself and John. So that's just all it sounds oh. like. Um, I'm not sure whether it has a Dewsbury Hall. It's uh, well, No, I don't, I don't think it does. I hope it doesn't. Uh, Every day is a school day, as they say. Anyway, I like the frequent score lines, as, as we all know. Uh, their most common score line was one all, and then the second most common score line was 2-1 in their games, um, which we added to, obviously. Uh, in terms of the team, yeah, the only real point I was going to talk about was Brown going down the middle, Sykes moving out to the out wide. But I think it's safe to say, as Connor, as you've said, we've got a bit of versatility there in Brown. And I, I, for some reason, I don't think any of us really thought it was a... It was a thing. Um, and we kind of forgot that he's played there. I don't think in his last stint he really played down the middle too much, so maybe that's why. But um, it was a good move for us. Um, shooting down towards the East East Stand, Jim Smith Stand, um, first half, I think we turned it around because we had the wind at our backs ultimately. Um, maybe that was a good, a good decision. But yeah, ultimately the game started 10 minutes in, some absolutely calamitous Benny Hill-style defending led to a Blackpool... Blackpool goal. Moose and Ruffles went for the same ball. Neither one came out with it. Gary Medine kind of waltzed into the box. 
Um, he, to be fair, he kind of did well to kind of just put Dicky on the floor. Yeah, um, he sat Dicky on his ass, didn't he? <laughs> it, was, yeah, it, but, was a, it was a good goal to be, well, as in it was a good good finish. I'm not going to say a good goal. Yeah, it was a very avoidable goal, if that's fair to say, isn't yeah. it, John? Yeah, 100%. I mean, normally it's just a Dicky steps forward and just whack. There you go. I did think Medine didn't need to beat two players. He could have just got the shot off earlier. Yeah. Think that was um, yeah. That's what six million buys you, right? Eh? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put players on their ass. Hasn't scored, um, hasn't scored since like April two thousand and nine, according to the highlights. I know, and I also watching Quest, and I'm really enjoying the Quest coverage for any Oxford fans that haven't seen it. It's definitely worth watching. But um, watching that, Colin, Colin Murray is that the chap's name? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. saying that we had the fewest points from losing positions in the entire division. So I'm glad I didn't know that when Blackpool took the lead, but we only had two points from losing positions ultimately. So great for us to turn it around before half time. Um, so we, yeah, we obviously got two goals back, only behind for eight or so minutes. Brown found long in space on the right. I actually originally put a, put a note when I was I was watching the game on the fact that Long seemed to give the ball away under no pressure early on in the game, and I was about to start writing a section on. Sam Long's inability to find a pass, but <laughs> I've since stripped it out. But I thought, being honest to myself, I, I'd mention it. But um, he did have, he had a great game, but also had a couple of moments where I thought, oh God, come on, Sammy. But yeah, really good cross by him, is touched kind of by Ruffles and then it falls to Brown who rams in a shot. And Connor, who who do you reckon claims the goal? Is it Marcus Brown? <laughs> I wonder Mark who Sykes. he's going to go with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it, when it went in, I, I think I remember shouting, get in, Marcus. And then I saw Sykes like, wheel off in celebration. And I was like, oh, maybe it was Sykes. Like, I wasn't quite sure. And then when I watched the replay, I was like, yeah, definitely Sykesy. Give it Sykes, definitely. <laughs> that's his, that, That's another one to add to the tally. I was like, good goal, Sykes. Well, hey, mate. <laughs> I wonder if he actually... Cl- I don't know who actually claimed it. No, I, I, it I don't know. Sy- Sykes was adamant. Like said a post-match interviews, that was mine. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the I mean, if it was, I mean, if it was a, if if that came off a Blackpool defender and went in, it would have been given as Marcus Brown's goal because obviously the shot was going on target and it didn't deflect the ball away um, from the goal. It would, you know, it would have been a Marcus Brown goal if it had gone off a Blackpool defender. But as it came off Sykesy, then I I imagine it's you know it's Sykes' goal. Yeah, arson in, fantastic. Anyway, uh, no doubt about who scored our second goal on 40 minutes. Henry, James Henry, obviously back in the team, added a bit of composure um, to our play, but his free kick eventually landed at Brown's feet after um, he kind of drifted away from a pack of players that were challenging for headers. And from a relatively tight angle, he managed to pick out a spot in the top corner. I swear he scored nearly an identical goal in the season when he was with us before and I couldn't go back and I wanted to go and find it so I could reference it but I couldn't remember what it was yeah I know when it, when it went in I thought the exact same thing as you just you just said then I was like he's definitely scored one like that before it was uh, it's almost like a we can call it a Brown-esque finish now if he does it again yeah one thing about Brown especially in that first half is you noticed him coming so he was playing as our striker through the middle but he was kind of adopting that false nine style play yeah. so he was dropping back inside helping possession drawing um their defenders out ultimately and then turning them and he was often he was drawing fouls that one of them got one of their center backs got booked i think pretty early on 
And he, he was linking the play really well. And it wasn't the Marcus Brown we necessarily saw in that first half up at Newcastle where he was taking pot shots from all over the place and not necessarily getting his head up for, to kind of find a teammate. He was all about um, keeping the ball moving and that type of thing. And I think that's something we haven't necessarily seen from him of late. There's also the um, other side of the coin with Brown that I was impressed with. And this was, well, this is a reference from the second half, but still... It was a sort of um, Ruffles flicked it on and then I think it's Brannigan plays it through and you can just instantly see Brown makes that move crossing over the defender into space on the left channel. Yeah. And it's it's not a run that I think Mackey would have been able to to make to keep up with play. And it was because it was Brown who was rapid. It was just everyone knows and can do it at speed that, that the chance came off. And that was another reason I was really pleased to see him. Up yeah, yeah. He was doing stuff like that. Fantastic. So obviously great turnaround, great character for us to spin that game around before the end of the first half. We had nearly 70% possession going into half time. We were dictating play, but in all honesty, we weren't really creating too many clear chances. And I think it was only two or three shots for both teams in that first half. And that kind of continued into the second half a bit. So whilst we were dominating play in the first, actually the chances still were pretty few and far between, but there was still a scrappy, scrappy kind of opening to the second half from our perspective. Struggled to kind of get the ball out of our half at times and Blackpool suddenly adopted more of a physical approach to the game and they were mixing it up in terms of the direct play and some neat build-up. Um, Holland had a clear sight of goal. Holland was pretty absent, actually, for most of the game. Watching it, especially in the first half, the ball wasn't really coming down the left, which is where he spent most of his time. But he did have a really good chance. Brown kind of played him in, should have done better or found the target when he had a, had a strike with his left foot from the penalty spot but missed that. Um, he did get more involved second half, though, and... Um, yeah, but from that point onwards, it started to get squeaky bum time. Header from a Blackpool corner, cleared off the line by Jimmy Henry. Glad he's back. Brannigan, <laughs> um, um, really, really nice bit of play, actually, from Holland to kind of flip the ball down the line. Brannigan took the ball, played in Marcus Brown on the left-hand side, drove into the box, could have had a could have had a goal there. Good save from the keeper. But um, <laughs> there was a funny moment, just 10 minutes or so left, where Jerome and Rosie on Radio Oxford were talking about bringing on Elliot Moore to help nullify Blackpool's direct approach. And then we brought on one of the smallest <laughs> players ever to play for the club. <laughs> <laughs> that so, made me laugh yeah. so much when that happened. Yeah, Jerome, and, <laughs> Jerome was like, uh, so Liam Kelly came on for James Henry. Um, but yeah, Connor, fantastic to have James Henry back. Adds adds a calm, experienced head into the eleven. Yeah, uh, as soon as I saw him in the starting lineup, it, it put a little smile on my face because uh, we know how important he is to us um, as a team, and he keeps us ticking well. And he had a good game. Um, I think, of, from what I've heard, anyway, he, he picked up a slight knock, um, hence why he missed the um, Newcastle game. But hopefully. It's, it won't be too serious, and he'll be he'll be uh, back for um, uh, Peterborough at the weekend. Yeah, John, what do you reckon? We I know we talked about this at Doncaster away, uh, where Henry was in a more reserved kind of holding midfield role. But would we would we like to see him playing further up the pitch? Is it just too competitive for places up there? And KR's reference needing out and out pace, but James Henry was really effective when he was playing on the wing. But maybe that was because Cadden was behind him. Uh, I, I've always thought. Exactly that. His best impact was on the right wing. Like I was sketching out a um, eleven for Peterborough and struggling a bit because I wanted to put Henry on the right of the three to make it to make it work. But that doesn't quite even that seems um, yeah. with the competition. So I think he's 
I don't, in a full, in a holding midfield, I don't think it works. But as a sort of one of the three, I think it is still worth having him on on the pitch. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good problem. Anyway, six bloody minutes added on. The ref got from somewhere. And there's only really one moment to talk about in, in those six minutes. So on, <laughs> Gary Medine jumps on top of a horrendous back pass from Josh Ruffles. Uh, the cameraman subsequently has an absolute seizure and starts collapsing in his in his camera box or whatever it is. And what I, what I didn't realise at the time watching the game live is that that's the, obviously the national coverage that has to go out to Sky and all the other people that take take the highlights. So it wasn't like you could get away from this cameraman's inability to hold a camera but um yeah i'm sure medine would have happily replayed that moment for the camera (laughs) well he's done medine a massive favor i'm guessing he's related to him or something but anyway medine had all the time in the world to pick his spot and hit the outside of the post and i can't explain how how much extra stress was put on this moment for someone watching it live where you couldn't see what was going on you could just hear jerome and rosie going oh oh no oh and it was uh, it was a it was a it was a terrible moment but Delight, delighted in the end, and that would have been that would have been horrendous for us to throw that game away in that way. And uh, Joshy Raffles will will probably go go into the. I'm guessing he went to the dressing room and gave Medina high five afterwards. What do you reckon? <laughs> anyway, we got over the line for our first three points in uh, 2020, and um, we're all happy with that, aren't we? Happy days. Yeah, I think it's a good um good win to have ground out. I think. Well, you you watching? I've seen bits of it. It didn't sound like we were particularly fluid. Um, they had their moments, so we had ours. And yeah, I think we've just got to take it and get get the monkey off our back of losing a few and drawing a few. Yeah, Connor, you watched it as well, but yeah, lacked fluidity. Second half looked like we struggled a little bit with the wind because the wind was horrendous. To be fair, and it meant our passing wasn't necessarily as concise as it might have been. Um, however, they didn't really have too many chances and we ground it out and that's what you've got to do when you're in a promotion battle. Exactly. Um, I said to said to my dad after the game, I had a brief chat with him and I said, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to, end, you know, we need to gain three points from as many games as possible now. It seems so obvious saying things like that, but it, it, was, a, it was a tough game. They did put up a bit of a fight in the second half. Um, we nullified most of it. And we came away with the three points. And it's a, an important three points because obviously after a few little rocky results, we needed to bounce back and we did just that. So hopefully we yeah. can bring that momentum. And obviously, even though we, again, we're going to go on to it in a minute, the Newcastle result, hopefully we can bring that performance into Saturday and, and keep it going. It'll be a tough ask against Peterborough. But, you know, we're normally better against the better teams. That's it. And John, additional scrutiny perhaps on Sam Long, as we kind of referenced earlier, given that we didn't manage to sign that right back in O'Donnell or anyone else. But he he is really cementing, and we you know we can reference the Newcastle game here as well. But he's really cementing that right back spot as his own, and lots of praise from various callers calling up saying that, especially one bloke who said he wouldn't actually swap Long for Cadden. I think that's a little bit much, but yeah. he's definitely he's definitely improving. I think I think he's moved past this point where he constantly feels like he needs to prove himself. And we always talk in that kind of language. It's 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 clear he's being a bit more expansive, and whether that's just a he's been told, look, go for it a bit more, and they've worked on it in training. I think you, yeah. you made a good point earlier where he made a couple of mistakes and did a couple of brilliant things. And I thought it's kind of the same in the Newcastle game, even though overall he was brilliant. I think he is just yeah. that that player, and um, but. I think I feel a lot more confident 
with him as the first choice, definitely. Yeah, the main thing of note is that his starting position at times, he was often sitting right up in the opponent's half, where I don't think we've seen him do that no, before. So that's that's definitely been coached. So, you know, good stuff. But anyway, right, let's get on to the League One summary. John. Right, let's canter through this. So we're sat eighth as we speak. Um, with at least two or three games on in hand on most teams above us. So let's let's just look at the results and see if there's any interesting ones. And there are a few actually. I think the standout one with with Peterborough coming out is their four and win away at Ipswich, and they're really rolling now. And three or four wins wins on the bounce. Um, yeah. Portsmouth good win against Sunderland two nil. Um, hate to say it, but the greatest mind in football has pulled off a last <laughs> last ditch grab. Southend Lincoln. 89th minute equaliser for Lincoln and then the 96th minute winner for South End. So that really is, that's keeping that mind focused until the last minute. So scenes. Fair, fair play to him. Um, I, was, I looked at, I just saw Milton Keynes Wickham. So Milton Keynes beat, beat Wickham 2 0, which I think gives us further evidence of when we went to Mil- Milton Keynes and were dreadful that Milton Keynes are actually pretty damn good at home because that's another big team they've beaten at home. Um, Coventry City. I'm tempted to say Juggernaut rolled on again with a good win away at Bristol Rovers. Um, Fleetwood seems to be keeping it up as well. So there's some yeah, some useful, decent results in there, actually. And Rotherham, another win as well. So against Burton, who are not a bad team. And I think I saw a Rotherham fan saying Burton were the, the best team next to us that they'd seen at the um, New York Stadium. So that, must have, that was clearly quite a win and I suppose doesn't yeah. bode well for playing Burton in a week or so. No. Well, we've first-hand experience of that, haven't we? Yeah, how Burton can play. I think the one, the two that stood out for me, Peterborough, obviously going four nil up um, in the away at uh, Ipswich, and Ipswich's goal was a you know seventy-ninth minute penalty from Norwood. But it, Lambert's got to be in a bit of a bit of danger now, right? I mean, they had a reasonable run, but now they've lost the last two, so that's interesting. And Coventry, I just don't. No one really talks about, maybe it's just me, but no one really talks about them. And yet they're on this massive unbeaten run um, and keep digging out results. And so they're still, you know, they're up there. They, they've got two games, two, three games in hand on the on the teams above them. And they, they yeah. really are going to be contesting this season. So interesting. I also noted for Fleetwood that um, our friend uh, Harry Suda scored. Which is a throwback <laughs> to... Um, a very early episode for if anyone remembers and shout out to Andy because he liked that as well. So anyway, <laughs> Andy does do a good uh, Aussie accent. So yeah, right. Connor, have you got any comments on League One before we move on? Do you want to say something? Uh, no, not really. Other than let's hope we can get a playoff spot. Okay, Sound well, solid. I, I want I want more than that, but let's get on. Just on that, I'm still in my head. Autos, autos is still the is still the, the goal. The it's only reason I said that the only reason I said that is because I was I was talking to someone earlier about this actually that I I do think some of the teams around us are genuinely stronger than us um, off the back of the transfer window, and that's the only reason I say that. I, I, it's nothing. It's no like disrespect to how we're playing at the moment, and I'm still confident that we will secure at least a playoff space. But I think some of the teams around us look look very strong and perhaps will probably nick us in in the long in the sort of the the, the run in 
but we'll see, won't we? You know, it's only it's only speculation. <laughs> well, if we have time at the end and we can talk about the February fixtures, I think we'll we'll quickly realise that this month is going to define where we're going to be sitting and whether it's going to be playoffs or autos. I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, we had a game last night. We played Newcastle United on BBC One. We actually, yes, John has been flying around various media outlets, um, giving interviews and stuff, but we missed out on the chance to join the BBC for the preview um, that was shown on iPlayer and the red button and stuff. And the fence end guys went and joined in and that looked really fun. As as soon as I saw, um, what's it? Alan Shearer, Gabby Logan and Appleton on the side of the pitch with the mics. I was just envisaging us just kind of, you know, squeezing (laughs) in between them. Could you you imagine it was all of us? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think like I might have been out have been in this podcast. Oh, I think I might be have been out of my depth. To be fair, I would absolutely cacked it if I was stood next to them. But to be fair to Liam from the fence end, I messaged him before he went on. I was like, "Make sure you say seven in a row." But I thought that was going to be too hard to get in. But the lad got it in. So <laughs> brilliant, fair play, Liam. Um, anyway, two changes for Oxford from Saturday. So more came in for Massinho. Mackie replaced Henry. Um, Brown went out wide and Sykes um, dropped back into midfield. Um, KR, talk, obviously, there was up. He, Mackie's getting a lot of chatter. He is the subject of chatter for a lot of Oxford fans, especially when, when lineups come out these days. But um, KR said that Matty Taylor's been out for a while. And we, we had one eye on Saturday at Peterborough with him and that he would come on at some point in the night. And then said Adji wasn't going to play because the average age of the team would have been ridiculous in terms of being too young and he wanted some experience in there. Uh, Connor, are you buying that? Might as well talk about it a little bit. Uh, I kind of do buy it a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, because I can I, kind I of see well. K- I can, I can, I can KR's point on that. Um, just in terms of, of leadership on the pitch, that's certainly something that Mackie does offer. And I'm the first one to criticise Mackie in terms of his goal scoring prowess and whatever. Um, but the the leadership he adds on the pitch is quite indispensable if you don't have Massinho on the pitch. Yeah, I sort of thought I do actually reluctantly agree with that approach, but I don't think it would make any difference on the pitch. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, yeah. I agree, but yeah. Mackie yeah. will still do what he did, and sadly well, that, that's why. Yeah. I think you could have predicted his performance is, is the thing that's becoming interesting now. Like Mackie did have one yeah. one really good chance, didn't he? Back to goal, volley. It was just after Newcastle went 2-0 up. And it was a good effort, to be fair. Um but yeah, you know, you never know. That was his only real moment, but you could argue that, you know, we weren't really on it in terms of um getting a load of crosses in, flooding the box at times. So you never know. Anyway, Newcastle made uh a few changes, but they still put out a strong lineup. Um, Lascelles was still there. Yedlin, Longstaff, Bentaleb, other Longstaff, <laughs> Richie Amron, Jolinton. Um, as soon as I saw Sam Max, I know we're going to come to it, and it sounds mm-hmm. like I'm, ch- I'm chatting crap. But as soon as I saw Sam Maximan on the bench, I was happy because we have a very big pitch, and I thought to, I thought to myself, Do you know what? Well, that's good because you never know what flavour of him you're going to get. So. That's in- that's interesting because I thought the opposite. I was actually kind of a bit annoyed he was on the bench because I knew exactly what they were going to do. I just knew that they were going to tire up, tire up the fullback, bring him on, and he's going to run Sam Long or um, Ruffles to bits. And he kind of did a little bit. But yeah. um, one thing I'd like to add very quickly is I appreciate Oxford United's treatment of Matt Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> because, because 
not only was the song fantastic, you know, Matt Ritchie, you'll always be scum, but also yeah. um, I was part of the ball boy team when uh, he he pushed over one of the la- uh, you know it was a yeah uh, it was can't remember his name it was the two it was the youth yeah. player yeah because I was because I was part of the um, the ball boy team that year because I was actually in front of the Swindon fans I was ball boy in that end in that game and I remember that happening clear as daylight so ever since then I've always had a vendetta against Matt Ritchie <laughs> so good on the the uh, Oxford fans for giving him shit because he deserves it. That was the 2-0 home win where uh, Bino, Bino got, got sent some, off yeah. and uh, Ollie Johnson scored. I was in the yeah. East Stand for that. I was right, literally right above where that happened. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Newcastle took the lead pretty early on. We gave the ball away cheaply, just trying to juggle the ball and play the ball around in our own half. Joel Linton eventually laid the ball um, to Sean Longstaff on the edge of the box. And he kind of did a little fake, which kind of was subtle, but it was enough to put more on his ass. And we've talked about how if you've got quality, you can put people on their ass already in this pod. But he um, essentially, faced with three defenders, managed to just smash a shot in from 20 yards and 1-0 to Newcastle. And then a few minutes later, we were still we were playing a ridiculously high line, which showed the kind of intent from us throughout the game, actually. And we didn't ever really stop doing that. But yeah, Matt, the, Matt set- made a point of, about yeah. how they'd picked that out, which was was interesting. I mean, I just thought that Newcastle's three, the Longstaffs and Bentaleb, were just absolutely brilliant. They just kept them. Newcastle looked fluid. They were, all the interchanges and movement were working. Whereas when we when we saw them at St James's Park, nothing was happening. And I thought they just dominated us for most of the yeah. half. Gorin wasn't getting anywhere. Um, thought they were really really good Brannigan and Sykes barely got on the ball for the first for the first half really yeah and the ball wasn't to the you know the ball wasn't sticking up top and largely it was actually just the quality of the play yeah a lot a lot of it was long balls when Mackie got it and we were trying to counter he was just on his own type thing um but yeah we got caught out on the break I think we had a corner or a free kick or something and then um one big boot from Almiron, I think it was. It was Marcus Brown went down, didn't he? Actually, and there was a bit of contention around that. I didn't personally think it no. was a foul. Um, I did. I we, really, I thought we were yeah. catching on to that a little. Well, bit. the reason I the reason I thought it was well, actually, this happened afterwards. But there was a very similar coming together that happened afterwards, and the referee gave it as a foul. And Marcus Brown had control of the ball. He went to his second touch just before um, Almiron came in. To, was it Almiron that tackled him? I can't. I think it was. Yeah. Um, it it was, yeah. Um, his second touch, okay, it was slightly leading, like his second touch nicked the ball away, probably away from his, um, well, it wasn't away from his path of his, of his run, but it's probably slightly heavy. But I do I do think it was a bit, I mean, put it this way, if there was VAR, I reckon they would have given that as a foul. Given I wrote, the current I wrote in my notes. So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not defending VAR because I hate it, but, <laughs> you know, I was, I was just, I was being sour, to be honest with you. Because I didn't think they deserved to be 2 0 up at the time, so I was being a bit sour. Sour piggy. I was, I was. John, you were talking about your notes. I want to hear what's in your notes. Well, I wrote down that it was like seven out of ten times that's not a foul, and probably two <laughs> or three is given as a foul, which I appreciate is not a definitive black or white, was it or not? But I can see why I can see why Connor thinks that, and I can see why we think that it wasn't. Because I think in the most majority of times that's not given as a foul because yeah. You've got to take in the physical contact of you know just pure strength rather than fouling into it. Yeah, well, it wasn't a foul, and we got punished for it. 
And uh, <laughs> Jolinton ran onto. I thought, and I don't want to dwell on it too much because I love Rob Dickey, but his starting position was horrendous for this. <laughs> as yeah. in, as soon as the ball was picked up, he should have got goal side of um, Jolinton. No, and then Jolinton basically just had to run in a straight line, and it was a decent finish. But for a man that can't hit a barn door, we should he should have had more pressure on him. Um, Robinson was booked for his protests in all of that. Um, you know, obviously claiming the foul. He talked about it after the game as well. We actually reacted really well to going 2-0 down. So as we referenced earlier, Mackie had a really good shot and in the same passage of play, so that was saved but by Darlow. And then in the same passage of, passage of play, Sam Long, you know, had a really good touch and then a volley and that was going into the top corner. It had been unbelievable. But that was cleared off the line as well. Um, I forget who cleared it off the line, but it was annoying. And you, you start to think at that, that stage, like, ah, this just isn't going to be our day. We're not going to get anything from this. And, uh, another really good moment and a cross coming in from Sykes that Holland ran in onto. I was convinced that was going to be a goal. Made a connect, you know, as soon as he made a connection, but the ball hit Mackie and flew over a goal kick. Again, Connor, I'm guessing we're thinking this isn't going to be our day. We're not going to get anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, Jolinton, just before halftime, went off went off injured, kind of grabbing his ribs or whatever, or his side. And um, bloody Sam Maximan, <laughs> or Al- Alan, as they call him, comes on. I love that his name's Alan, by the way. What a tropical, exotic surname he's got. And then his name's fucking Alan. Sorry to swear. I, think, I, think there's two, I think there's two L's in it. There's two L's. There's two L's. Oh, sorry. Two L's. Alan. He's not, right. he's not Gary with two R's, you know. <laughs> Anyway, second half starts. Almiron did a bit of ballet in the box, running into Sam Long and tried to claim a penalty. I don't like the look of Almiron. He does. He looks like he wants to be slapped. If there's any Jordy's listening, oh, I'm I would sorry. have. I, I had a vendetta against him as well after his dive. <laughs> just ah, oh. oh, just get up and get on with it for fuck's sake. He has I that was, one of you know so cross when he did that. I was just. It does my head, and it's just typical Premier League players. They're just they're so protected. Just get on with the football match. It does my head in. Sorry, I'm having a rant now. No, it's fine. <laughs> He's no Julian Dix. When you see him, um, you know, it's that smile, isn't it? It's that smile that gets me uh, when players think they've been hard yeah. done by. Oh, exactly. He's, he's an ugly bastard as well. So, you know. Oh, sorry. Gosh. I'm going. I'm going. Well, no, that's, he is. It's personal. Yeah. Anyway, I went there. <laughs> Taylor came on for Mackie as expected tough game again for Jamie Mackie but it's understandable to be fair to John's point Newcastle were just dominating the ball and I, I would, this is the strange thing with all of the hype after the game up until the 83rd minute it was a very controlled and dominant performance from Newcastle and, and at no time did I think we're getting back into this um, it was yeah and then suddenly on 84 minutes Dan Aji, and it's fair to say Dan Aji, after coming on, it's worth mentioning that he had a pretty good game. He got involved. I, I saw people with different opinions on this, but from my perspective, he was holding the ball up well. He was winning headers. He was take carrying the ball at times. He seemed to have a good touch, and he was, like I said, laying it off. But John, watching the games, do you think Aji, after coming on, it was promising signs, I thought? Yeah, I think in all different aspects of the game as well, in terms of runs, hold up, um, I think he's you know, beyond the cliche of knocking on the door now. And I agree with you, and I made, the, I made these points regularly. We didn't actually do all that much, bar a couple of chances, till about 80 minutes, and then then something switched and we got some serious momentum. Some some people are sort of talking as if we were outstanding all game, and we weren't yeah, really until the last no. half an hour. 
bar some individuals like Long and Sykes and you know were pretty good all most of the game. It was, yeah, it was. I found it strange that KR said afterwards that he felt that we dominated the game. Yeah, as well. exactly. So we, I, I just yeah, I, I didn't agree with that at all. No, but no, no, me neither. They were doing an absolute job on us. But anyway, Dan Aji um, carried the ball forwards and then kind of flopped over some... It might have been a bit of a dive, but it doesn't matter when it's our player, does it, Connor? Yeah, yeah. Um, He's going to run. It was not, never a dive. Dan Aji's a big <laughs> lad. To bring him down takes a lot. Amron's little, isn't it? So. Anyway, Liam Kelly, who <laughs> just come on the pitch... Um, steps up he either looked absolutely knackered after being on the pitch for like five minutes or something or um he was incredibly nervous because of the rate he was breathing but anyway he steps up and we've heard about his ability to pass the ball and hit a ball and he scores an absolute peach of a free kick unbelievable stuff and it's great for him to get off the mark before we talk about someone else getting off the mark um i noticed whilst ron kelly after that moment suddenly his range of passing throughout extra time as well was completely different and you could see yeah. a player with confidence just emerge from that moment but yeah I think you like saw a lot of the other players really kind of like galvanised around him he was dropping off and running it at times and I think it, it looked like he's the rest of the team had sort of gone right with this is a player we know can can make this work and let's just get the ball to him and see what he does it was interesting he went straight onto all set pieces as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. straight I, away I like, I like that because as soon as, as soon as we got the free kick, I thought to myself, "Well, James Henry's not on the pitch." And I was like, "Brannigan wanted it. it." Yeah, and then and then I was I actually got up and walked away from the telly for for a split second while they were sorting out the free kick, and I thought to myself, "Oh yeah, we've got Liam Kelly in the squad and he's on the pitch." Like I always knew that he was a dead ball specialist, and as soon as I saw him step up to it, I was like, "I fancy him," and it was a really great free kick. And like you say, his range yeah. of passing just just well, it was fantastic. After that, he grew in confidence, didn't he? He looked he looked yeah. good. He must have been absolutely buzzing, and then as were the team. Um, you, you always know with a player like that as well. They've obviously shown something in training to be jumping straight on set pieces when they come on the pitch. You know that they must have shown something to the rest of the squad. Um, we got to ninety odd minutes. We hadn't really created too much, and then the ball was played back um, to Ruffles on his right foot. To be fair, in the box, and that was like ninety first minute, and surely that was our last chance. He kind of blazed it over at the far post and we were all kind of like you know fair play you know decent decent attempt at a comeback and then holy shitters <laughs> 94th minute eastwards up in the box you're thinking this never happens this never actually turns into anything um the ball finds its way across to nathan holland and it's like a side-footed controlled volley into the far corner i absolutely lost my my marbles you know when you're kind of in a state of disbelief yeah, and you kind of—I was waiting for the VAR check, even though that's not even a thing. I was just like, "This can't be a thing." I know, I know exactly how you feel because I went absolutely berserk. I mean, I think my neighbours must have thought, that, thought there was a murder going on in my bedroom because I—I was just screaming my head off, and I ended up jumping up and down on my bed like a four-year-old child does. I was so excited when that went in; it was such a great goal, yeah. uh, and also for the player who scored it as well. Um, on the, on yeah, the, um, I thought. I thought the, Holland had a great game. Sorry, Bill. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Bill. it. Sorry. Sorry, I was, you know, was going to say, um, just desperate to talk about windmilling. Because um, <laughs> the, the story I was going to tell was that on the chat I had this morning, not to bang on about it too much, um, was uh, Martin Allen asked me 
did I celebrate like that Newcastle fan who was the, the video that's going around on social media windmilling after Sam Maximum scores? It was one of those moments you're like, I wasn't expecting that question, <laughs> but I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to be truthful and be like, I was actually at home, and even if I had, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't have done. But it was, um, yeah, it was quite funny when he asked me. Yeah. So I think it's worth. We actually looked dominant going into extra time, first ten minutes of that. It looked like we were the only team that was going to win it. Aji had a really good chance when I think Darlow kind of fumbled the ball out, but a really good block by Connor's favourite bloke, Matt Ritchie. Um, Brannigan firing an effort over, as we said, Aji promising performance from him. Sykes was probably my man of the match. I thought he was absolutely sensational, and he built off his performance at Blackpool and looked like the most composed player on the pitch. Um, but that goal by St. Maximum, let's not dwell on it too much. He, it was For me, it was coming because he, he'd cut in about 642 times during the game. And I was saying to myself, Sam Long hadn't been booked. He needed to put the lad in the stands before he got anywhere near the box. And it's yeah. easy to say in hindsight, but when you look at it back, you're kind of like, oh, just close him down. Sam Long ends up being about 20 metres away from him by the time he takes the shot. So it's a shame, but... Anyway, in the interest of time, um, I'll quickly reference stats, but we need to preview Peterborough. And Connor, you, you've got football training tonight, so you need to be off, don't you? I've got to be off, but I've also got my Oxford shirt on, so I'll be wearing that proudly. And to be honest with you, I should get Mark Sykes on the back of it because some of the lads I play with know Mark yeah. Sykes. so They're going to love that. They would like that, so I need to do that. Final thing on the game, though, the stats were really pretty. Even fifty percent possession, we had twenty shots to their sixteen, uh, more corners than them. Like it was a really even game, and it was interesting given how dominant Newcastle felt for a lot of it. It shows how much we grew in confidence from the 80th minute onwards, I guess. But there you go. Let's talk about Peterborough. Right, I have the pleasure of talking about Peterborough again because I believe last time we played them, uh, I also previewed previewed them uh, that time as well. And we've beaten them twice already this season, um, both 1-0, once in the league and also in the cup, and they were uh, back-to-back fixtures. Um, so that bodes well for our record going into the game on, on Saturday at the uh, Western Home Stadium, which has been previously known as London Road. And this, I think, is... What's that? What a name for it! What a name! I know, yeah. really catchy, really catchy in it. Catchy, um, yeah. Uh, and I think this is a, it's a, it's a massive league game. Obviously, all the games are massive going going into the rest of the season now. But in terms of our promotion uh, bid against uh, a team who are certainly in and around it as well, um, it's going to be a big game on Saturday. So, um, posh, they sit third in the league at the moment with uh, forty nine points after their thirty games played. So we do have three games in hand over them. So this is a big one. Um, I wanted to touch briefly on their on their transfers uh, in January, as I think this is quite important actually going into the game. Now they've they've had a relatively quiet window in terms of numbers ins and outs, um, although they have definitely strengthened since we've last met them. And they brought in arguably one of the standout talents in League One this season, um, in the form of twenty one year old. Uh, Jack Taylor, central midfield player from Barnet, and they spent just over half a million quid on him. So they've certainly invested, uh, and he's had a great first half of the season at Barnet. Some of the other league of Barnet in. in. Are they in the? They're in the national, aren't they? They're in national, aren't they? I don't know. Well, there you go. Sure, they are. Yeah, Um, I think 
their other notable ins were Reese Brown, another central midfield player on loan from Huddersfield, and also Sammy Simojic. I I'm butchering that name. Absolutely Great butchering name. it. Um, I'm going to call him Sammy. Um, he's from Bristol City on loan, uh, and clearly central midfield was an area that uh, Darren Ferguson felt that he needed strengthening. Um, now all of these three players uh, started on Saturday with their four-one win over. Uh, promotion rivals Ipswich which was a great result for them and Sammy um, who played number 10 uh, he scored twice in that game so he's probably going to be someone to look out for um, and obviously they've, they've strengthened well considering they lost Marcus Madison who's who's one of their key players to Hull City um, and yeah. I imagine the reason Hull brought him in was to, to cover for the outgoing Jared Bowen that left for West Ham on deadline day um, in, term, in terms of Posh's recent form then they sit they sit third in the form table after the last six games. Uh, they've won four of, sorry, they've won four on the bounce, um, and they've secured some impressive wins over some promotion rivals, including Wickham, which was four nil, uh, Rotherham, two one result, and also Ipswich, like I've just mentioned. So they're certainly going into this game in good form. Um, they've they are the uh, top goal scorers in the EFL at the moment with fifty six goals. Um, so we're probably in for in for a goal fest potentially um, on Saturday, and obviously with the likes of even Tony and Moisa uh, and, and Dembele involved in their squad, they've certainly got some firepower. So it'll be interesting to see how our defence stacks up against that. Um, yeah. I think in terms of uh, their formations and that sort of thing, what I've been looking into is they've often deployed a, a four two a four one two one two. Uh, they play a diamond. And they've started with that over 20 times this season. So that potentially could be a uh, an outlook for them. Although they have, in the last two weeks, um, the two, they've started with three at the back with wing back. So again, it will also be interesting to see how they how they line up against us on on uh, on Saturday. Uh, in terms of uh, pubs, for those interested in going, um, there, there are three that are particularly close to the ground. Uh, the Peacock, the Palmerston Arms and the Charters Bar. So they're the, the closest ones to, to the stadium. And there are a number of other bars and pubs that are in the centre of Peterborough that are very close to the train station. Um, and obviously the, the walk from the station to the ground is about a mile. Uh, so not too not too far. Um, so in again, in the interest of time, gents, what, what do we think in terms of predictions? I'm, I have to say I'm quite scared, actually, on Saturday. I think it'll be a really, <laughs> really tough game. Um I, I don't know. I'm kind of sitting on the pessimistic fence, to be honest, and think we, we, we might not come away with anything. But I think if we do, then it'll be a massive sign of intent. So I'm actually going to sit on the fence and, and not actually give a prediction because I, I don't know. Oh, what? Come on. on. Yeah. What a bottler. I'm not letting you go it. to football training until you say, <laughs> say <laughs> the result. All right, Dan. Go on. You, I'll, no. let, I'll let you, you boys do yours and then maybe off yours. Right. I'll, you can help me sway my decision. The last time I was there, we won 4-1. And uh, Mehmeti scored, so oh, I've man. got great memories. I reckon we're gonna win two one. <laughs> I'm 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 genuinely terrified. I'm not gonna enjoy following this game in any shape or form. So two one though. Let's let's have it. I think I, I can understand all of your fears. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna keep talking so that you're late for football. Um, I, I'm going to go for a, a high-scoring draw, I reckon. 7-4. Um, yes, that's not a draw. 
Yeah, sorry. Let's say 2-2. Um, I'll be really interested to see what the lineup is when come when it's announced because Taylor, I think it hinges on how fit Henry and Brannigan really are because I'd love to get Henry. I think Henry is perfect for this sort of game where you need a bit more, a bit more nouse. Um, but you you can't really not play Brown. You've got to play Taylor. Holland's got to start as well. So I think Kelly and Thorne might not actually start this one which I think some people do so I think that'll be really interesting yeah I'll go with a mm. go with a 2-2 two, two. We, we could get rolled over but equally we could just take it to them and they they fall apart but they've looked good four wins on the trot or if not more than what you said earlier so yeah but they they bottled yeah. it massively for a few games didn't they and then they've come yeah. back on a good yeah. run the thing that I'm worried about is if um Long and Ruffles get caught up the pitch like when we played Rotherham and we get punished for that, and there's massive gaps. I can't see us playing in that way, to be honest, against Peterborough. Peterborough, but that's that's the proper risk I think that we've got. It's, if we're going for it, then that's a massive risk. It's well known that that our fullbacks push up. If I think it really has become quite apparent, um, we've either got to get better at bridging the gap, or yeah. as you say, pull back. Right. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I think we're gonna lose. I think we're gonna lose three two, but. <laughs> Sorry for being pessimistic. Right, and on that note, I'm off the football and I'm going to go and play like Mark Sykes tonight. So, up the use. Uh, See you later on. <laughs> Tara. Toodle pit. That just leaves us. That just leaves us, John. Do we need a. And I'm, I'm conscious that Connor's, all of Connor's stuff might just disappear if he doesn't leave properly. Hopefully, he just leaves his laptop and he's run off. Then we go. Right, I'm going to play an interlude, then we'll talk about February fixtures. Right, so we're sacking off the quiz for a bit. If people, by the way, enjoy the quiz, let us know, because we kind of do it and it's fun for us, but we don't know if anyone actually enjoys it. But there you go. We never get, seem to get any feedback on it. Equally, um, if you fancy writing one, which sounds really, yeah. really lazy, but we did have one of the guys, Adam, wrote one, and it was brilliant fun, and it's good fun putting them together but we probably are starting to rack our brains on some of the quizzes to do. So if you fancy doing it, genuinely, that'd be, that'd be brilliant. And you, you know, full shout out credentials. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. If anyone, yeah. If anyone wants to write a quiz, please, please do and send it to <laughs> us and we'll, we'll run it. Um, so long as it's not as hard as some of the stupid ones that I've run. Or it's from uh, Christopher Carpenter's little book of rubbish. <laughs> Chris Carpenter. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to quickly, let's quickly just talk about February fixtures. And we said last pod, it's worth a topic on its own. But we've obviously played Blackpool. We're then playing Newcastle. Um, we've got Peterborough. Well, we played Newcastle, sorry. We've got Peterborough away this Saturday. We've got Burton on the um, on the Tuesday after that. So that, that'll be probably the next pod in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm going down to that one. Should be, um, that again will be... Bloody difficult yeah, game. It's gonna be a tough game. That I think we was nil nil, wasn't it last season? Yeah. And it's it's never easy there. They had ten men for the whole game, um, but we need a bit of revenge from that. What was it? Four two defeat earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, then we've got Sunderland at home on the fifteenth. Um, that's gonna be another spicy encounter. I'm hoping we get near enough to a sellout again for that. You'd hope you'd hope so, wouldn't you? But that's gonna be a massive game considering how close the clubs are in the league. Um, Wimbledon on the 18th that's a Tuesday night at home but that you know you've got to hope that we're pushing for three points there 
And then we're away at Ipswich on the Saturday. Um, I don't think they're much massive. top Wimbledon away from home. I can't no. imagine, imagine they are. Um, that Ipswich game is going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, they showed that game against them in Puddlefest was just, you know, you couldn't take anything away from that game to work out the quality that both sides had. So nothing, you can't really I think they, I'd put yeah. them in the, they're there for the taking box. Whereas if I look, you know, if you're finishing it off, then it's South End, which are a cock up written all over it, but really should win that. I, I think Sunderland, Wimbledon, Ipswich, Ho- um, Appington and South End, you've got to put them in the win ca- category and probably leave Peterborough and maybe Burton open to the gods, possibly. Yeah. Sunderland, it won't be easy, because they're, I mean, but they are galvanised a bit, and they are a big team, and they've got big players, and all that jazz, but I think, I, I think we've got to look at at least five wins. I was going to say, I think five was what I put in my little notepad. I think five wins from February would see us through to a place where we're probably sitting back in the playoff places pretty comfortably and not far off the autos. I think, as you said, Accrington on the 25th at home, followed by Southend at home right at the end of the month there. It's good to finish the month on those two fixtures, you'd, you'd say. Yeah, um, it's worth a shout out for um, Billy Key as well, who retired this week um, with mental health challenges. And uh, not to chew him out particularly, but Martin Key made a bit of a stupid comment during the commentary. I don't know if you heard, but he basically seemed to sort of no. question the, the value of Gary Bloom psychotherapist role. He said, you know, is that a proper job? And it was like, Oh, I did on. hear that. Yeah, I don't oh, think he was thinking. Was he? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's malice and thought and all that. I don't think it was malicious, but um, but anyway, that's not to 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 dull Billy Key. Um, he's a big player for them. That'll be a different get difficult game, Accrington. Yeah, Billy Key was one of those. He definitely scored against us, and I've I've witnessed him score against us a couple of times. So he's definitely a solid player. Let's hope Sol doesn't, you know, rally the troops and Southend go on a run anyway. I'm hoping they're still of course, yeah, languishing at the bottom. Yeah, I, I doubt it. They're, they're down. They're, there's no way they're staying up. But it's just a case of, has he built a bit of momentum there? Or Lincoln at home is a decent result based on how Lincoln have been doing recently. But all in all, it's a season-defining month. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is there's there's so much Oxford United happening. And whilst I think we love it and it's it's great, and it mean the good thing I guess for the players is that if we do have a bad result anywhere in there, again another game is coming up to put it right. I guess we just pray that there isn't a couple of consecutive defeats anywhere in there. But you never know. If if this month goes well, we could be absolutely flying. So I've got my fingers crossed. Right. So as as we said, I think the next part we're being a bit more irregular with how the pods are dropping. I think. Um, just to, due to other commitments and stuff like that, but we'll try and get back to some kind of cadence in the in the coming weeks. Um, but I guess we'll we'll probably be reviewing two games each pod, especially through February. I doubt we're going to have one. We're not having what nine pods, as it were. So, any closing thoughts, John? Anything you want to say to the the Tip Manor community? No, just uh, keep um, keep all the quality interaction with the Twitter account in particular. Um, it's really really cool the discussion and points that come in and help shape what we chat about and hopefully we can reflect what some of you guys are thinking as well so yeah, yeah love it absolutely second that and as always thanks for listening please give us some feedback 
if you have any time and as as john said earlier please write us a quiz because <laughs> yeah, we're that, running that was, out of ideas that was a subtle try and think of like, oh yeah it's really fun no no we, we need them <laughs> <laughs> right we'll see you later cheers cheers Thank you.